Welcome to the Principal's Office Podcast, where we believe that the principal's job is the most interrupted job on the planet, and creating a clear and cohesive plan is the best way to improve your school. I'm your host, Dr. Tom Miller. I'm the founder of Leaders Building Leaders, and it's my goal each week to introduce you to new strategies and initiatives that are improving schools across the country. You're going to learn leadership principles that are going to help you accelerate your growth, build your teams, and execute on those goals so you can exceed those expectations of the communities that you aim to serve. If you want to learn more about what we do, you can go to our website at lbleaders.com. But for right now, enjoy this episode. Thanks for listening. Welcome, everybody. Uh, Tom Miller here, and I'm really, really excited for this episode um, you know, because many of you know, or may or may not know, I'm a, you know, I'm a recovering addict, and um, and so I, you know, I spent, uh, you know, ten years deeply engaged in in um, gambling, and I've lost, you know, tons of money, and 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 more, more importantly, lost lots of time and lots of, you know, lots of credibility. And, and, and so one of the things that I've just, you know, realized, you know, being a school leader and, you know, being in leadership that, you know, everybody in your organization may have that something, right, that's impacting their lives and it's impacting their, you know, uh, success. And, you know, just a few years ago, I was in charge of a school and we just had one, you know, uh, particular employee that was really, really just kind of, you know, getting on everybody's nerves, you know, and, and, you know, uh, being that leader, I, you know, I, I wrote him up. Right. And then it came back. I learned that they were they were, you know, they were struggling with an addiction. And it just kind of brought me back to my own growth and my own recovery over the last, you know, 15 years. I said, oh, man, I that just never even dawned on me. It never dawned on me. So I think it's important, right, that as leaders, we build our awareness to the social and emotional health that a lot of people are going through. Uh, just from all the things from the pandemic, but also just there's some ingrained core values, right, that we really, really need to, you know, be able to address. And it wasn't until I was 29 years old, I know I've, you know, shared this, you know, many times, it wasn't until I was 29 years old that I start to study words like honesty and humility. And it came out of this little tiny yellow book that I got at every meeting. And um, we ended every meeting with it works if you work it. And I am so happy and proud to say that it's worked since I've worked it since you know February 12, 2006. Uh, I have been uh, you know clean of that addiction. I've had to battle many, many other things you know since then, right? So it never just goes away. It's not just addicted to one thing, it's addicted to a lot of stuff. So uh, when 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 um, I got an email from uh, Buddy C about hey, I saw your uh, you know podcast and I was reading about you and I wrote a book and and uh, it's called powerless, but not helpless. And could I be a guest on, you know, on your podcast? And I, and I thought deep about it. I was like, yeah, I, was, I don't know, is it really the platform? And then I thought about that employee. I said, yes, because human beings, right, bring, you know, challenges and schools have hundreds to thousands of human beings in it every single day. And my hope is by, you know, inviting Buddy here to help share his story, is that we can reach one person, right, buddy? I mean, if we can just reach one, you know, person to be able to understand their, their true, you know, value in this world and the impact that they can make on others, then I think we'll do our job, right? So are, are you good with that, buddy? <laughs> I'm good with that, sir. 
Thank you. Do it. Thank yeah. You. So, so welcome. Yeah. Uh, welcome to the principal's office podcast and to our, you know, school leadership, you know, series and, uh, and, and yeah. So tell me about yourself and, and um, tell me about this amazing book that you wrote. Cause I read it a couple, you know, times through just, you know, diving in for those daily meditations. Thank you. Uh, I got into recovery through alcoholism was how it was my route. But we learned that um, all of our addictions are just symptoms. They're not the problem. They're a symptom of the problem. And the, the problem for me that I found was uh, my idea that the entire world was up to me to manage and control. And I was not equipped for that. So I looked for ways to escape from that control, that those feelings of, of pressure and, and that whole uh, scenario of having the world on my shoulders, so to speak, uh, for my family and for everyone. So uh, I'll take you back a little. I've been sober since um, my sobriety dates, 11-10-08. But- uh, Congratulations. 08, thank you. 08 was not the first time that I uh, came to a meeting or attempted sobriety. Um, I started uh, looking for sobriety five years uh, before that, uh, actually six years before that. Uh, and I, I started drinking more uh, as a way to relieve stress from business. Uh, I wasn't still am a businessman. I'm partially retired now, but uh, I, I was always the guy that hustled and worked. I counted my phone calls one day. And I got over 100 calls a day. I mean, I was just hustling. I was the guy that stayed at the office overnight one day a week just to catch up. I did that every Tuesday night. I just stayed there and worked 24 and then um, just to catch up for the week. I was that guy. You know, I, could, I couldn't be away from my phone for any length of time. I was in the real estate business, uh, started investing in real estate uh, in my mid-20s. Uh, so real, real estate's what brought me along through life. And I remember uh, back when I was a, I was just a young boy, uh, riding down the road, I, I was raised in uh, somewhat rural Georgia. And we were riding down the road, I remember in the back of my mother's red B210 station wagon, uh, if anyone remembers those. Uh, and we rode by a house that was vacant. And I said, I thought to myself, hmm, somebody should take that house and fix it up. So from that point on, I was maybe 10 years old, 12 years old, I had a desire to do real estate. So I started with real estate through my um, through the years, and I was involved in church as a young man. Uh, I, in hindsight, I've always been a spiritual seeker. I've always sought something spiritually that um, I... I knew I was not fully awakened to. There was something there that uh, I desired, I needed, something I needed, so I looked. And a lot of people with alcohol issues started in their teens and, you know, 20s and uh, on up. Mine didn't start till I was almost 30 because I went uh, toward alcohol as a way to relieve the business stress. So uh, I came at it from a little, a more, a little unique aspect. Um, but as consequences happened, I realized that alcohol controlled me instead of me controlling alcohol. And alcohol became the problem more so than what I was trying to cure with alcohol. Uh, 
ended up having some health issues from drinking. Uh, I had pancreatitis, very bad. Uh, they told my wife to pick out my pallbearers. I had a 50-50 chance of living. I was on a ventilator. Uh, I came out of that uh, and was in the hospital for uh, close to six weeks over the next few months, two surgeries and was very sick, but recovered somewhat. I'm, I'm still a diabetic now because of that. And that was, gosh, 2001. So it's been a while, but I'm, I'll be a diabetic type one the rest of my life because of that. With all those consequences, uh, as soon as I was healthy enough, I started drinking again and I picked it back up. And before long, I was drinking just like I was drinking before. So it had me, I did not have it. And as time went on, I had some uh, legal consequences because of the drinking. And I ended up in AA. Before AA, though, I went to uh, a psycho I went to psychologists and all. I tried everything uh, before I went to AA. Uh, and I went to a meeting in the psychologist group that they had every week. Uh, and it had multiple addictions, all different kinds of addictions. And there was a lady sitting beside me that was a nurse and she wrote scripts and was fixing to go to jail for stealing scripts and writing them for pain pills. And I thought, and I got out after the meeting and I was in my car pouring me a drink for the drive home and thinking, that lady's crazy. How in the world, why would she even do that? <laughs> you know, I, I felt no hope that I could recover from, from that meeting. Uh, when I went to my first AA meeting, I did get hope because I saw other people who drank the way that I had drank. And when I got that uh, similarity, that common issue, uh, I got hope that it could work for me. Uh, and the other thing that happened at that first meeting uh, was the guy leading the meeting that I resonated with, my first thought was, oh, I'm a lot smarter than this guy. You know, I always sized up everyone. Was I smarter or was I more successful or did I, you know, have the prettier woman with me? Did I have, I mean, all those th things that I did to size myself up to show how much better I am than you. Uh, and I said, I'm a lot smarter than this guy. If he can get it, I know I can. Well, that idea of figuring out recovery uh, almost killed me because it took another five years of in and out, in and out, in and out before I could start putting any time together whatsoever. And I really had to come to the place of suicide. And I actually, I just said out loud, God, either this works or it doesn't. If it doesn't, I'm out of here. I cannot keep doing this over and over and over. Uh, and it lifted immediately. And I, I did not, and still today, in hindsight, I think I have a better understanding of what happened. Uh, instead of me asking for help, which is the way I was raised and how I understood spirituality was that I did the best that I could. And then God would help me with the part that I could not do. It was, you know, I did my best and God do the rest kind of thing. Well, what I realized was it doesn't work that way. Uh, God doesn't help me with anything. I have to step out of the way. I have to uh, get out of the way so that it can be done for me. But you mentioned you know, that you're in meetings with it works if you work. And, and when I say the word God, I'm not talking the uh, uh, 
the traditional way that I used to think of God. Uh, I equate that more to love now. Mm. And love's an action. Love's not a person. Yeah. It's a verb, not a noun. That's right. So, so I have to take action and love's an action. So how I realized over time that it worked was that the work I do is not working harder, doing better, trying more, you know, all of that, that we're taught growing up or that I was taught and how business worked, everything worked by you hustling. And if what you were doing wasn't working, you just doubled down and worked twice as hard. Yep. But what I realized was that instead of doing that, what I had to do was be open-hearted and look for someone I could help. And as I help someone else, I find out I'm helped in the process. So that simple idea, I was never taught, never understood, never even had a clue that was what, if we're talking 12-step recovery, be the first three steps. Mm -hmm. uh, it's how we uh, recognize our powerlessness. We believe that things can be different. We stop resisting. And then we let go. And for me, that's what those steps do. So, um, yeah. and through the whole process, I've gotten to, to where I am now. The uh, the book, Powerless But Not Helpless, is a study of the Tao Te Ching. And after I was um, uh, sober for a while, I realized I was still missing something spiritual. There was something I knew, I knew there was something I lacked, even though I was staying sober. And I realized that this walk was much less about staying sober and more about learning how to practice this in everything, as 12th step says, in all our affairs. So as I looked, I looked through, I read all, I read the Nag Hammadi, which is all the lost texts of all the uh, lost books uh, of all the early Christians, uh, read lots of other things. And I came across a, a painting called the vinegar tasters and this this painting was about a metaphorical meeting uh, between confucius buddha and Lao Tzu. and confucius of course uh, uh his his teachings was confucianism which is a lot like the book of proverbs a lot of good things to uh good sayings and uh practices and as a result your life is better uh, because we learn in recovery that uh, uh, acceptance, you know, is the key where if you use the third edition of the big book, uh, it's page 417 to 420, all of that reading uh, about acceptance is the solution to all of our answers, uh, you know, and all of the acceptance teachings that we have. So I started looking at Taoist principles. I'm not a Taoist, uh, but I do uh, believe the principles that I read that were written 2,500 years ago. Mm -hmm are applicable now and and it just resonated so with me that we started studying that we we do an online uh, aa meeting actually to where we take Taoist philosophy and principles and see how it relates to our recovery yeah and out of all of that this book came about wow i love it i love your story and i've got a lot of notes here and um you know one of the things you know i i I bought this book a long time ago and I finally worked through it last year. It's called Chain to the Desk, right? It's a book for workaholics. And so, I mean, you know, being in education, 
we're like, we're like constantly on, right? So I hear your story about, hey, I was constantly on. And I think that's one of the, one of the signs to be, you know, cautious of, right? If you're constantly on and you can't, you can't create an empowered life for yourself. It's just an indicator because I, I, I never envisioned myself. And I, and I think I heard you say this. I never envisioned myself not gambling. I didn't have that vision. I didn't think it was even possible. And and you're like, well, that's crazy, Tom. Like you were making twenty five thousand dollars a year, and you were losing a hundred thousand. Like the math itself should tell you, stop. You're not very good at this. But it wasn't about the gambling, as it was just about the engagement of it, right? So I don't. So it doesn't matter what your addiction is, whether it's work whether it's, um, you know, alcohol or drugs or sex or any of those things, it's the, it's the inability to turn it off. And so what I love about your book and the study of the principles is that, is that it's, help, it's helping you have a cleaner and healthier outlook of yourself. Because if you don't love yourself, it's impossible to love others. And I, yes. and that's one thing I learned. Go ahead. Yeah. And, and what I found was even more than just turning it off, it's principles we can live by so we can get to the point we don't need to. It happens automatically. Uh, things like, and, and the great thing about the Taoist text, uh, if we were in China, uh, the Tao Te Ching, everyone has a copy of. It's the second most uh, published book, global or published uh, uh, transcript globally. Uh, behind the Bible. So, you know, like most of us were raised with the Bible in the house. They were raised with the Tao Te Ching in the house. It's T-A-O-T-E-C-H-I-N-G. Uh, and it actually means the path of virtue. It's, it's the way of virtue. Uh, so uh, the thing I like about it is it's so practical. Uh, and things like, uh, phrases like uh, the man of Tao, the man that's following the path, stands on what is already moving you know you you learn to look and you see how things are going and you go there you don't try to push and try to change everything you you observe and go where it's already happening yeah uh, another one can we uh, let the mud settle like if you've got water and it's uh, turbid and you can't you can't see through the water uh, can you let the mud settle so the right answer shows itself mm -hmm. uh, without your input without your effort you know things like that that so resonated with me and said that's what i want now if you're in recovery and you use the big book it would be pages 84 85 86 uh, is a is Taoist philosophy and principles in aa it's already there how about that yeah. stop fighting anything and anyone yeah uh, we we find this position of neutrality it just comes yep all of that idea yeah you you talked about hope. Can you can you remember your first kind of like sign that oh I think this is working? Hmm. Uh, yes, yes I can. Uh, I remember that I used to ride down the road and look at my mirror and repeatedly say I hate you, I hate you, I hate you to myself while I rode down the road. I've been sober maybe, I don't know, three, four months. 
And I realized I wasn't doing that anymore. I didn't try to stop. I just yeah. didn't do it anymore. I was like, wow, this, this is working. Yep. That's the first one that I recall. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, mine was, um, I was actually in Las Vegas right around my 90th day. And uh, after about 30 hours, I got bored. And so I went to a table and I put money down. And the first time that the dealer started to, uh, you know, hand out cards, he actually flipped over his, his, uh, you know, uh, undercard, which was a muck, right? So they had to start over. So I'm like crouching down, trying to hide from my buddies. And then when he went to pull all the cards back together, a new dealer came, tapped him on the shoulder and it all started again. And I was like, I heard that voice, pick up your chips and walk away. You know, and that was it. That was the last urge I had. And then it says when I realized my 90 days of really, really working on me, right? Surrounding myself with like-minded people overcame the 10 years of all the poor decisions and the character. You know, I had a lot to work on still, but it was the first sign that I was like, oh, I, I can do this. You know, and I think your the title of your book, the first word, powerless, right? And that's kind of how you feel. Like you just feel like you don't have any power. And a lot of my work is to help leaders and individuals create an empowered life. And I love what you've done here, buddy, because that's what you've done. Like you've you've created an opportunity for them to not feel uh, powerless anymore. Exactly. And that, that's huge. It's just, that's just a huge part. So it doesn't really matter if you're an addict or not. It doesn't matter. I feel that everybody deserves to live an empowered life and to never feel, you know, powerless. So regardless of, of, you know, you know, your book can help anybody, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Right. And, and like the studying of some, you know, principles and to live by those principles is, you know, the key. My, you know, mentor, John, uh, John Maxwell, he's got his 21 year 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. Those are the principles that I study and I work to live by. And I hear and I go to a lot of things, but I always filter everything I learn now through those principles. And that's what, that's what you know, GA did for me. It allowed me to filter all of my decisions now through the power and the principles of, you know, the book, right? And the core values of the book. And and my higher power, right? And at the time, I was not a believer at all. So, and you know, you didn't have to be a believer. So, just give it away to your higher power. That could be anything. It doesn't matter what it is. And that was really, really important for me. So, I want everybody to be listening. It's like, just you know, because you don't believe in God, it doesn't mean you can't study the uh, principles of strong core values and make better decisions in your life. And you know, whatever it may happen. Um, you know, down the road happens. And that's what was, you know, for me, that that time didn't come for me until 2014 um, when I actually, um, you know, accepted uh, and asked, right? Help, you know, help me. Uh, and through that, boy, man, that was a launching point for me, buddy. I don't know about you, but that was a you know, huge piece. So well, I love that you shared, shared, shared your story of that looking in the rearview mirror too, which is awesome. I'm a big Pearl Jam fan. And they have a book called Rearview Mirror, and it's hanging on the wall in our playroom is that you will see things more clear 
when you put them in your rear view mirror. And that's kind of what you did in a sense, right? You looked in that mirror and said, I'm not going to hate myself anymore. Right. You know, and the thing was, I didn't try to stop doing that. It just came. Yeah. You know, it just came. And I would like to talk about the God issue for a moment, too. Um, what I had to do coming in was I had to be open to other ideas of God than what I knew and understood. Because when I came in, all these people were were changing. But in my thinking, in the Christianity I came from, most of them didn't qualify for God to do anything for them. So I was thinking, I said, how is this happening for them? And it's not happening for me. And I realized I had to be open-hearted. I had to be open-minded. And that was the first clue that I had to start approaching life from a place of not knowing rather than approaching life from, oh, I know how to do this. I'll listen to them for a moment. And then when I can, I'll just, I already know. And uh, there's a phrase that goes with that in, in Taoist philosophy that, philosophy that says that if we think we know, we have already lost the understanding <laughs> because we have to be open hearted. And I realized that when I approach any situation from a place of wanting to help, of kindness, of how can I help you rather than how can I manipulate you to get what I think I need then that's getting God involved because it's God's love. That's how it works. So uh, when I work with a new person, I work with a number of sponsees. Uh, we, don't, we don't even try to figure God out or what you're understanding. It doesn't matter if you even believe in God. If you start taking the right actions, we have a phrase in, in recovery that says that uh, we act our way into right thinking rather than think our way into right acting. So we start taking the right actions. And when I take the right actions, no matter what I believe, I start changing. I don't change because I believe. I change because I act, because I do things. Even if I don't think it works, like we learn about resentments uh, in the big book, 552, I think it is. It says if you have a resentment, you pray for the person. Even if you believe it's empty words and you don't mean it, you don't understand it, you don't want it to happen, you do it anyway. Yeah. And then you realize you start to mean it because yeah. you start changing by taking the right action. Yeah. And really what you're describing is growth. Yes. It's really what it is. And I had no idea. Right. And growth, you know, change is inevitable, but growth is optional. And it took that intentional step forward, the reflection all those pieces, right, to really grow, to be, to become the person that no longer, you know, depended upon, you know, drinking or gambling or whatever your, you know, vice might be. And uh, that's, that's been a real powerful outlet and understanding for me. Am I growing as a person? Because uh, if I'm not growing as a person, well, there's only one other option, right? You're either growing or you're dying. And uh, that's a really, really important step. Some people, uh, even if they don't have a uh, an addiction of some type, uh, this thinking will relieve the stress of life. Because you, I learned that I do not have to carry all that weight anymore. Mm. I, I can give you a good example. I needed a, uh, I wrote this during the pandemic, and I just thought one day, I said, hmm, I wonder if I could take all 81 verses 
in how they related to me in recovery. So over the course of 11 days, they just came just one after the other, after the other. And I'm so grateful. I mean, I read some of this and I'm thinking, gosh, did I really pin this? I mean, it's not me. I, my understanding would not bring this about and I needed a title. Yeah. So I just, I just said, I need a title for this book. And I'm, I'm really powerless over finding the title for this book. I mean, I used the book to find the title. Uh, and so I was just open and I knew I didn't have it and I had no idea what to call it. And I was listening to a recovery podcast that week and a lady that was getting interviewed said, you know, I'm powerless, but I'm not helpless. I'm like, there it is. So I contacted the podcast, make sure it's okay for me to use it. And they said it was. So I used that, um, as the, as a title Yeah, things that is how this is supposed to work if we're open, you know, and available, you know? Yes. If you're open to receive the message. Right. And that was me at the table, you, you at the, in the mirror, in the side mirror, right. You were open to receive. Oh man, look at this awareness that I have now. It's just it, right. Growth is, you can't grow without awareness. And that's, that's a big part of it. So, you know, buddy, how do we, how do we get your book? So if we want to get a copy what's the best way, you know, to get it? And we'll make sure that we put the link in the show notes for, you know, sure. Uh, BuddyC.org has a lot more information. Uh, there's actually sample uh, verses there that you could look. Uh, there's a daily uh, Tao quote with a thought and an affirmation. If you want to sign up for that. Beautiful. Uh, I did that so that I would write those. I took all these, uh, all these, ver these 81 verses, and I wanted to put it into a daily devotion where we would have a book for one one day for uh, one devotion for every day of the year. Uh, and it has a verse and it has uh, my thought, some thoughts on it and an affirmation associated with with all of that. Uh, and I'm still writing it. So there's grammatical and I haven't got it to the editor yet. So I just did that to push me to do it, actually. So get it out. Yes. 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 Universe I'm almost speed. The universe loves speed, right? So, okay. So yeah. we're going to go to Buddy and it's the letter C. So buddyc.org. Okay. And then, you know, so this up, you know, coming week, it's going to be Thanksgiving here, you know, you know, in the United States and we got holidays coming up. And so it's a tough time, right? It's a tough time for anybody, um, you know, you know, like emotionally. So if you're listening to this, you know, podcast, um, and you either yourself have some, I don't know, concerns about your own behavior, or maybe there's a loved one, you, you know, what do you think would be a good step, you know, for them, buddy? Like what, like, like what was a good step for me? I went to Google, which is really funny. I, and, and the only person who answered my call was actually a sex therapist, Dr. Philip Sharp. I don't even know if he's still out there, but he was the guy that guided me to again, was anonymous meeting because he knew I needed to be surrounded by like-minded people and I need to hear the stories and I needed that accountability. Um, so that's where I went. I went to Google and I found a, you know, GA meeting that was like 90 miles away, but I went there every Tuesday for a couple of years. And, you know, and then I started my own in, um, you know, you know, uh, Wilmington, what would you encourage, you know, people to do over this, you know, time if, if, if they're either concerned about themselves or a loved one, what's, uh, you know, what's a good step for them? To find connection. Mm. And I would just say out loud, I'm powerless over what to do with this. What do I do? 
Yeah. Uh, it's like step 11. You know, I used to thought it say, I used to th think it said that I pray for the will of God to happen in my life. But now, uh, now I, I'm coming to believe and coming to see it mean that uh, we're uh, praying for the knowledge of the will of God as if it's already happening around us all the time and we just can't see it because we're not open to it it's been pretty much the gist of our conversation is is becoming aware yeah so yeah. i would just say i'm not aware i don't know what do i do yeah even if i had a loved one that i was concerned about it i would say the same thing what do i do and then pay attention to what happens around you yeah. and you will see what you know for some it's a meeting it's always connection it's always connection in some way uh we start started a Zoom meeting at 9 p.m. Eastern every night of the year when the pandemic started, and it's still going strong. It's oh. uh, You can get there, zoomaameetings.com will take you directly to the link. There's no password, but you have to be, uh, you have to be in your Zoom account logged in for authentication. That's the only uh, security that we do. And then we have security in the meeting that takes care of all that. Yeah. That goes 24-7. I mean, that goes every day of the year at 9 p.m. Eastern. So, they could do something like that or seek out other meetings online. They could um, just be open to, to how I can connect. Yep. Because if I'm not connected, uh, you know, you know the, all of the steps, the majority say it, but they really are all plural. You know, the first word of the first step is we, mm -hmm. you know, it's not I. Yeah. So yeah. that's, you know, it's all about connection. And I didn't want to get connected. I just wanted to do it and think about you when I wanted to. When yeah. I needed something, right? But we got to get connected. I love and, it. You know that—that's what I would do. That's what I would suggest. And if you know someone that uh, is in the type of recovery you need, uh, I would, uh, I would contact them. And the big thing is not to keep secrets about this, because I am my secrets keep me sick. And as long as it's in my head, uh, it just grows. So me getting that out in some form or fashion is is always beneficial for me. I have to. It's essential. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. It was amazing how how my life changed when I no longer relied on secrets to keep me moving. Yes. Powerful, right. And and we could go on this for hours. So so listen, I am I am honored you reached out. I am so excited for us to get this out. Uh, into the universe because you know people need it because there are individuals out there struggling and if we can help right if there's any way to help there you know find a 1-800 number find a meeting go on the zoom just take that first step um, and and you know become more aware and that awareness is going to help you create that new vision for a more empowered life and go to buddyc.org you want to grab the book um, and, and we'll make sure go ahead buddy yeah one more thing, Tom, uh, for anyone who can't uh, afford the book or they would like a PDF of the book, they can go to the website and email me and I'll send them a, a PDF free. So that's always available. I love that. I love that. Yeah. And and you know what? I you know, I'd like to sponsor some, you know, uh, folks with books, too. So why don't you know, why don't we work out an opportunity as well? I would love to. So if you're on this you know, podcast and you heard it here um, and you send that message to uh, Buddy, you know, copy me at Tom at lbleaders.com. Of course, your, you know, identity is safe with me and I'll make sure that we, you know, take care, um, you know, to get you a hard copy as well. So let's just do that. And that way we can serve, you know, together. Okay.
Perfect. All right. Thanks, Thanks again, buddy. Go to buddyc.org, grab a copy of the book. Most importantly, take the first step. Uh, just, just take that first step. I know it's awkward. I know it's hard, but growth is hard, but you're worth it. You do, you, your life is worth it. There are so many people out there who love you and you have to, but you have to love yourself uh, to take that first step in that action. So thanks again, buddy. I really appreciate you. And, um, and let's keep, you know, keep on making a difference out there. So thanks Tom. Yeah. Bye-bye. This is Tom Miller. And I just want to thank you for listening all the way to the end of this podcast. You know, this was a special podcast uh, for me uh, because um, it's a celebration of what I've been able to accomplish, but I was only able to accomplish it because I took that first step. Uh, so I'm really proud of Buddy and the work that he's doing and the impact. So if you or if you know someone out there who is really, really struggling uh, with any type of addiction, and it could be work, it could be you know gambling, it could be alcohol, it could be drugs, it could be anything, um, just encourage them to take that first step. If that's you and you're listening, take that first step. Uh, you know, Google, um, you know, an anonymous meeting and, and and just find the nearest support group to you. And hey, if you need someone, um, you can reach out. Go ahead and email me at Tom at LBLeaders.com. And I am happy to get on a call with you to help you. But um, take that first step. It takes courage, but do it. Uh, I believe in you and you deserve more. So thanks again for being a listener. Bye bye.